Jesus, the name above every name. Every principality and power has been placed under our Jesus. They did well. It lasted about five minutes. And then we prayed and asked God to bless them when they'd gone. It's important that, isn't it? Bless them, God. Let the truth of what they've heard rest in their hearts. See, the truth's the truth. It doesn't move. It doesn't matter who comes through the door. The truth is the truth. <laughs> and the truth is more powerful than any lie. I'm going to leave very quickly here. We've been going through Hebrews. I've been doing chapter 8 and chapter 9. And uh, the gist of those two chapters are this, as the rest of Hebrews is, uh, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And it gets to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, the writer of the Hebrews starts with this. He says, after all those seven verses, the point is this. So we have got the point is this. And he said this, and, and I'm thinking you could have saved seven chapters, but he got right the way to it and said, the point is this. We have a great high priest. The point is this. We have a great high priest, Jesus. The point is this. He has sat down in the throne room of heaven. The point is this, the Hebrew writer says, he has made a better sacrifice than that of the old covenant. And he's made it once and for all. The point is this, he says, he offers us eternal life. John 14 says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's often read at funerals, this. But it's such an encouraging promise for us who are alive. <laughs> Can I tell you, your eternal life starts now, not when you die. It starts now. You have, I have given them eternal life. You've got it. It's yours. Take it. Receive it. So what's the point of being on earth? Philippians 1, 21 to 25 says this. This is what Paul says. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire, listen, I desire to depart. I would say that this is contrary to what most Christians desire these days. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul wanted to die physically, to be with Christ. But it is more necessary that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, some of you are leaving your body and still here. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you, listen to what it's for, for your progress and joy in faith. What's the point of being here once we're Christians? The point is this, we're to make an impact where we set our feet. So as you walk along the beach and you look back, you see your footprints where you have been. You've made an indentation. Your presence has had an effect on the sand. Somebody is tracking with me. The purpose of being here is that you have purpose. 
And the purpose is this, to add value to someone else. I'm not sure if we've got that other picture, but there's, there's the, <laughs> I believe this, that we often see the dirt in people before we see the gold. And I believe this, that every single person, every person was created in the image of God. I work in a prison and I deal with some nasty people who've done some nasty things. They're still created in the image of God. And what I need to do, not just with people in prison, what we all need to do is set our default to see the gold before we see the dirt. To draw out, to add value to someone. To see, you know what, the world knocks you, everybody knocks you, everybody tells you how bad you are at something. But let me tell you this, I see the gold in you. And I want to draw that out. I want to draw it out of you. I want you to reach heights you never dreamed possible. But our default is so often, do you know what they did? Can you see how they're living? Can I suggest, church, that the reason we're on this planet is that we begin to look differently at people and add value to people, not the standards of the world. Here's a good one. What's the point of Jesus? Uh Uh-oh. What's the point of Jesus? If I was to say to you, just think for a moment, could send some years off this, just think for a moment of Jesus, just... Just turn your affection and your, and your, your, well, well, that's already affecting me. <laughs> um, just look towards Jesus. Just, just now in your mind, just think Jesus, right? Just think Jesus right now. Just think Jesus. And what do you think? So many times people will answer with what Jesus has done for them. He's my savior. He died on a cross for me. He's given me eternal. Those things are not bad. But listen, Jesus is not a set of beliefs. He's a person. He's a person. What he did for you is fantastic. (laughs) But he wants you to engage with him on a level, a personal level. What's the point of Jesus? Let me tell you what the point of Jesus was. He said it himself. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The point, no one comes to the Father but through me. What's the point of Jesus? That you might be took into the Father's presence. All the stuff he did is absolutely amazing, but the purpose of that is that we might be in his presence. Oh, <laughs> my, my earthly dad was, was not great at, at, at showing emotion. It's just he couldn't operate outside of what he knew. And that's just the way it is. Many of us understand that. And um, it's been great, actually, to meet our friend here, David Vickers, because if you ever want a daddy hug, he's pretty good at this stuff. And um, I remember when I first met him, he made me real feel uncomfortable. Um, because he wouldn't let me go, and I hardly knew him. And I'm thinking, long hair, likes hugging men, 
I hope he's married. But he is married, yeah. <laughs> he is married. But he's, he, has, he carries a real ministry. Trust me, he carries a real ministry. Because my heart's been changed by some of his hugs. Even some of the uncomfortable ones. What's the point of Jesus? To take you into the presence of the Father. No one comes to the Father but through me. We first see, though, this is what Hebrews is getting at, we first see the new covenant in the old. And the old covenant is in the new. That's important you remember that because a lot of people have thrown out some of the stuff of the old covenant. Some people would say that we're no longer under law. Who would agree with that? Ah, two or three hands. That's pretty good. I'll come back to that. But we're still under the commandments of God. Deuteronomy 4.13 says this, He declared to you His covenant, the Ten Commandments, which He commanded you to follow when He wrote them on two stone tablets. God wrote them on two stone tablets for a purpose. Stone is permanent. Lest they get broke, it's permanent. And they were spoken by the voice of God and written by the finger of God. Then he put them in the ark of the covenant. Under grace from law, and I think this is where the difference has been, is I do believe that you're, you're no longer under the law by grace but you're no longer under man's law. You're no longer under the law of religion that says you have to work at something or do something to get into the Father's presence. That definitely is old covenant. We don't have to do that anymore. So that law is definitely gone. But I actually think that some of the commands of God, even in the old covenant, remain. And maybe we've even been in danger of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Those old covenants was written by Moses. Listen what it says in Deuteronomy 31, 26. It says, take the book of the law and place it beside the ark of the covenant. Right? Beside the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. There it will remain as a witness against you. We want rid of that law. That's a do, do, do law. So then the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross. Were they? Marcus asked this the other week and you got it right, so I'm hoping you're going to get it right again. So what law are we under now? The law of grace, love, brilliant. You answered correctly. So Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We got that? Yeah? New covenant. But he quoted the old covenant. He quoted Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. 
Then Jesus says you to love your neighbor as yourself, and he quoted Leviticus 19:18, which says, do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one another. Well, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus says it's a new commandment, but he uses the old commandment. Come on. So Jesus is saying, what's the point of the Ten Commandments? Let me tell you what the point of the Ten Commandments is this. The Ten Commandments are all about loving God and loving your neighbor. The first four are all about loving God. The last six are all about how we love our neighbor. What is the new covenant? I'm going to go to the old covenant to tell you what the new covenant was. The old covenant says this. This is the covenant I will make with my people Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put a new law, stroke commandment in their heart, in, on their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor saying to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So what's the point when Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood? What's the point of that? It's pretty weird, isn't it? Let's be honest. Old covenant, new covenant. Remember, that's what we're talking about. Maybe the point is this then with that. Maybe the old covenant was external but the new covenant is internal eat my body drink my blood something within you not something from without not a set of rules and regulations but a living new covenant the sacrifice of Jesus via his Holy Spirit living in us wow Christ in you, the hope of glory. The old covenant was external, the new covenant is internal. Wow. It does not mean that the old covenant is gone. It does not means the old covenant's gone, but it does not mean the old commandments are gone. It would be foolish to think that we can now kill, we can now steal, we can now have other gods before God. It would be foolish to think those things. Those things are precious and were written by the finger of God and spoken by God. They're good and righteous. Remember, it's the old covenant and the new covenant, not every single thing that God spoke in the Old Testament. It is one book. I'm trying my best. Romans 7:12 So then the law is holy and the commandments are holy righteous and good why would we want to get rid of that we want to get rid of dead religion we want to get stuff get rid of stuff that makes you work for your salvation that's not possible i am not saying that that is possible why would we get rid of something good Psalms 19:7 the law of the lord is perfect refreshing the soul the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. When God speaks, why would we want to get rid of it? 
So we need to make a distinction between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Definitely, the New Covenant has better promises, better sacrifice, everything's better. But it doesn't mean everything that God has spoken from the Old Covenant doesn't exist anymore. Indeed, it's made perfect in the New. What was the problem then? The problem was the people. Romans 3.31 says, Do we then nullify the law by this faith? No, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. I'm preaching good today. I know I am. Does, the, does grace destroy the law, or does it destroy the penalty of the law? Maybe the law is not gone, but where it is written is different. Maybe it's no longer written on tablets of stone, but is written on your heart and in your mind. Maybe God's chosen to write it in a different place. Or as 2 Corinthians 3 and 3 says, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. It's a good word. Christ, in Hebrews 9.24, for Christ has not entered a sanctuary made by human hands, for that was only a copy of what was true. He has entered himself, well, and now appears for us in the presence of God. Listen, I've done a lot of wheeling and dealing for God. And I've managed to get into a few places. And one thing I've learned is this. If you can get in to see someone who has power, you can cut out a lot of red tape. Because the person in power can override the process. What point am I trying to say? Jesus has entered a temple not built by human hands. You know a person of power. You know a person who is above every principality and power. You know a person who has the ear of God. And he speaks on your behalf. They don't get any higher than Jesus. They don't. He's above every principality and every power. God, therefore, has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every, every Every knee shall bow. And he sits at the throne of God. Speaking to God about you. Now tell you what he's saying. Can you see the gold in them, God? Can you see what I see? Can you see it? Can you see it? Let's invite them into our presence. The word today was spot on. Because I tell you what the new covenant did. No longer in the old covenant you have to go to the holy place. And then only the high priest into the holy of holies. The veil of the curtain was torn. Which separated you from the most holy place. Jesus has torn the veil through his sacrifice. We can now enter into the heavenly realms. Indeed, can I suggest... You are already seated there. 
in Christ Jesus. The problem is, we're happy sitting there, and, and listen, I'm on this journey as well, but actually, wow, that realm is available for us to explore. Oh, some of you are not agreeing with that, but listen, you want to go through your book and probably rip out half of it if you don't believe that. You can start with the book of Revelations, just rip it all out and hide away. Most of us understand that we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms, but we're happy to stay seated. Come on. There is a heavenly realm that Jesus won for us to explore. And can I suggest this? Real change on this earth is when we explore the heavenly realm and bring it to earth. We've been saying it today. Your kingdom come as heaven, let it come to earth. How do we know that? We have to visit the place. Oh, I'm getting a bit... I'll stick to me script. I'll stick to me script. I'll be all right. Listen. Let me finish with this. Let me finish with this. Now, come and leave some space today. Let me finish with this. Psalm 55, it says this. Gather to me consecrated people who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Hold on, Alan. Hold on, Alan. Calm yourself. I don't mind you talking about Jesus' sacrifice, but you're now going to talk about me sacrificing. Well, can I tell you, the Bible says that you're no longer your own, that you're bought with a price. Can I also tell you that sacrifice is part of the deal? Actually, when you became a Christian, you died with Christ. Problem is, most Christians want to live, and God wants to kill you. God's trying to kill you off, but you keep wanting to live in. And God asks of us through relationship, sacrifice. Not so you can work like the old law, but that you can enter into all he has for you. Some of you are not quite there, but let me, let me just get this verse. Romans 12, 1, you will know it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper act of worship. Offer yourselves as a sacrifice. Get on the altar. Burn. Sacrifice yourself. Get before the throne. God, I'm willing. I'm willing. That's not a prayer that a lot of Christians pray. I want to sacrifice who I am that I might make an impact for you, Jesus. That I might experience even more of your glory, even more of what you have for me. But because of the sacrifice I'm willing to make, because I'm willing to sacrifice my body on the altar, huh. we don't get this preached very often because it, we're almost in danger of becoming, not us, 
But I've heard so many messages where it's all about grace, live how you like. It is all about grace. But the commands of God and the sacrifice of God is a part of the deal you've struck when you entered the covenant agreement. Not for your salvation. You couldn't do a jot for your salvation. That was all Jesus. But in terms of your ongoing commitment to God, it is about a daily sacrifice. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's a message we need preached more and more, I believe, from the pulpit. Not to put people down. Not to put people down. Not to put people down. It's a new covenant. It's a better covenant. It's got better promises with better sacrifices and a better priest. It's all together better. What's the point? Well, maybe it was this. Ezekiel, again, old covenant, said it about the new covenant. I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. New covenant in the old. I want to rip out your heart and give you a heart of flesh. I want to put a spirit in you, not on you. Come on. Come on, church. So what's the point? Jesus gives eternal life. What's the point? We're to make an impact whatever our feet trod, and we're to add value to others. What's the point? He's put a new heart in us. He's removed our heart of stone. What's the point? He's given us a new spirit. What's the point? That we offer ourselves as living sacrifice. What's the point? That we have access to the Father through Jesus the Son. Amen.